Growing a small business has never been easy. So, how can we build our companies and shortcut the learning curve? By getting advice from the people who've done it before. Everything you need to grow your business is right here. I'm Simon Lader. Welcome to the conference room. Good afternoon and welcome to the conference room. I'm joined by Naomi Clark. Naomi refined her magic toolkit of copywriting, sales and content strategy, running a photography studio for 10 years in one of Melbourne's fancier postcodes. Today, through her workshops, signature course and one-to-one -one support, she helps digital course creators worldwide create more profitable launches with less stress. Naomi's work has been featured in Mamma Mia, Elephant Journal, Huffington Post and many more. And I am delighted that she's joined us here in the conference room. Naomi Clark, good afternoon and welcome to the conference room. Well, I should say good morning to you, Simon, because we're on opposite sides of the globe and it's a lovely morning in my part of the world. But thank you so much for having me. That was a very lovely introduction. It's a genuine, genuine pleasure. And you're in a lovely part of the world. And for anyone watching this on YouTube, I'm in some kind of dungeon, but that's another story <laughs> for another time. But every hero has an origin story and you're the hero of our story. So tell me, how did you get from those humble beginnings we talked about in the photography studio to helping people worldwide with their copywriting, with their social media? Mm. Is it, well, you know, an interesting journey looking back. But at the time, I think in the middle of any journey and you're kind of making it up as you go along, that's life in a lot of ways. It was a bit more of a feeling of not so much this is interesting, but what on earth am I doing? So I spent the, and I'm aging myself here, probably around 15 years in the photography industry in Australia, in family portraiture and what we call high-end boutique family portraiture. Even though I had studied photojournalism and I spent a lot of time training and learning how to use a camera when I got into the photography world, I barely picked one up. In fact, I started, well, I discovered my love of sales. I love sales and I followed that path. I then had the opportunity to open my own photography studio in Melbourne, which I did, did that for 10 years. And that kind of, I guess, ran its course. And I was at a point in my life, by then I had two beautiful children, still have two beautiful children, a wonderful husband. And I was looking for something that I guess challenged me again, creatively and allowed me to just do something. I was ready for a change. I wanted to do something that challenged me creatively and in terms of business as well. So when I made that leap from photography, I kind of started actually going into business coaching. I don't know what I was thinking. I was really not qualified, but I did start working with a couple of photographers. They were my first two clients. I felt very comfortable in that space. And that led to me writing content for them, writing their website copy, writing their about pages, helping them, you know, define their, their pricing and all of those things. And I really loved doing that. That morphed into website copywriting. And then I found over time, I absolutely loved working with course creators. There were lots of boxes that niche or industry ticked for me. And so I went hard into that. So I've kind of taken this you know, mix of my magic toolkit of skills from my sales knowledge, my marketing knowledge, my communication skills that 
you know, went from face to face in the photography studio to the written form. That's how it all came to be about. And I also should add, I really wanted to create a business that I could take anywhere. I was able to have a tree change. We were able to move from the city to the beautiful countryside and have a much more relaxed and family friendly lifestyle. I knew I wanted to be remote. I didn't want to be tied to a physical location and I didn't want to have staff moving forward. As much as I loved my team, I was ready for a really big change and copywriting has allowed me to do all of those things. So I sort of got to design my own business, which is pretty cool. Good for you. Good for you. So what are the key challenges that your clients face when you walk into the door on the first day? Yeah, there's a few. A lot of course creators that I work with entering into selling a course for the first time. And whilst they are incredibly skilled and knowledgeable in their area of expertise, and I write for all sorts of different digital course creators, Going from that service-based business to selling it, you know, productizing their knowledge and selling it online is a big shift. So they just don't know where to start. That means they don't often understand the task that's ahead of them. And they kind of enter into this, yeah, I'm going to create a course and sell it. And I'm going to have this other income stream. And it's going to be wonderful. And all of a sudden, it's a bit of a holy, what have I gotten myself into? So not knowing where to start is the first thing. The second thing I find, and this I work with mostly female course creators, and I know you and I spoke about this, and I know I understand it happens for guys as well, but imposter syndrome is a big one. And whilst they're trying to develop this additional revenue stream in their business or pivot altogether to course creation as their core revenue stream, they undercharge so much. They often have prices that are half or a third of what they should be that they need to have in order to create a successful business. So not knowing where to start, imposter syndrome is a huge one. And also understanding of how to build that audience and sell online. It's a different ballgame to selling face-to-face and understanding how we need to take that relationship that we normally have face-to-face with clients in a service setting and how does that translate to, yeah, in an online conversation, which is where I come in. Okay, great. So let's discuss these one by one, okay? Yes. Let's start off by talking about course creation, okay? Mm. So I wouldn't say firsthand, but kind of secondhand, because I've spoken to a number of people who are very much the kind of people you've described, genuine experts in their field, okay? Mm. And particularly during the pandemic, there were an awful lot of people who were looking for they either needed an additional source of income or just yeah. had more time on their hands for whatever yeah. reason. They were spending more time at home or they had run out of things to watch on Netflix. So they wanted to create courses, okay? Mm. And the pattern that I saw with a lot of people was that either they had no idea where to begin, as in mm-hmm. how do I take all this knowledge and mm. put it into a course that someone else can then take, implement and get value from? Okay. Or, and I would argue even worse, they went ahead and built and developed a course that they felt people could implement and take value from. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They put it, they spend hours, days, weeks, even months, creating months, creating this magnum opus. Okay. Yeah. Hired studios, rented equipment, hired editors and copywriters and, you know, the full bit, right? invested hundreds of hours and thousands of dollars, Mm. put it up there and maybe sold two courses. 
Yeah, yeah. So if you were confronted with either of those, okay, and I suppose person number one, it could be argued is in the best position because they're starting right from scratch. They don't know know what to to do. Or person two that has kind of started themselves, invested all this time, money and, and effort. The only, and rather than the sound of, you know, the clanging of the cash register, they're just hearing crickets, right? What would you have perhaps done differently that would have created different outcomes? Yeah, yeah. Well, I should point out that the way that I work with my clients is in a sales context. So I don't help them create their courses. They've either done that before they get to me or they're partway through. But the advice that I would give there, and I worked with a client recently who gave their potential customers or students everything that they had. And not only does that create overwhelm for the course creator, it can actually impede sales because your potential client or student will be going, I just can't get through that much. And I think in the marketplace, we've got to be really, really careful about course fatigue because whilst the course creation industry is absolutely booming, you know, I'm hearing feedback all the time, I just can't fit in another course or I've got three that I've purchased. This is from customers. I've got three courses that I've purchased and I haven't started any of them. So we've got to be really mindful about how we break up our knowledge and give them to and provide that to our customers. And it's okay to break things down into lots of smaller chunks. And in fact, in a sales setting, it's much, much easier to get a customer to say yes multiple times to a series of small things, which is where you can have a beautiful product ecosystem with a, you know, a course, part one, part two, part three, and so on, than it is to go, here's a $5,000 course, do you want to sign up? So, and it also makes it so much easier for the course creator because they can just focus on one element at a time. They don't need to boil the ocean. And that's where the, oh, wow, where do I start? Begins. Yeah, I suppose it's, I mean, you're right. I mean, I think that it's easier for somebody to part with, say, $39. Yeah. It's to part with $390. Mm-hmm. And if I spend, I think my threshold is, if it's less than 50 bucks. Yeah. I mean, everyone's going to be different. Yeah. Is, if it's less than 50 bucks and it sucks, okay, well, it's 50 yeah, bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's 497 or 997 it's going to have to be really good. All right. Yeah. However, yeah. if I bought something for 50 bucks and it was good, then the chances of me buying the next one for another 50 bucks and then the next one, the next one, the next one, right, is going to be significantly higher. Absolutely. So let's say, like, let's just say for argument's sake, spending $49 on one or spending $500 on or $497, whatever, mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. 10 or 9 mm. or 12 or whatever. I'm just thinking personally, for me, if I did one and it worked and then did the second and third one, I would also feel at any point I could stop because I'm only spending another 49 bucks or yeah. not, right? Yeah. Whereas taking out a credit card and spending $500 yeah. or yeah. those modules at the same time. Yeah. Your spending habits sound a little bit different to mine and probably more in line with my husband's. I've got a, <laughs> I've got a slightly higher threshold. I'm thinking 200 bucks. And if it all went to custard, I'd be going, okay, two grand is where I start to get a bit, but you've got the ability as a course creator to build up that trust and get your clients realizing, wow, if they're giving that much value inside a $50 or a $90 or even a $200 product or a mini course, what's their signature course going to be like? 
and so would you you recommend then on that basis would you recommend selling a mini course and then having a full priced signature course is that the the methodology that you recommend yeah it depends on what my client has created but one of the things that I work with work on with my clients is helping them come up with some kind of lead generation tool now that might be a free lead magnet that they create for their clients to opt into that is relevant to their course that ties in with that or and gets their client a quick win like a micro micro step inside their course they could then potentially look at creating a mini course or a workshop and I've run a tested this stuff out of course inside my own business and I've had created lead magnets that have gone on to a I think it's a 60 minute mini workshop. That workshop is 17 bucks. I think it's valued at $49 and it's probably worth that. But at the moment it's priced at $17. And that is like a mini step of my course. And I provide a huge amount of value inside that mini workshop. And it's one of the strategies I've recommended for my clients because there's very little sales friction, $17. You don't really have to think that hard about it. But it gives me in that situation or my client potentially that opportunity for them to demonstrate their expertise, to build that trust with their client and to have those extra conversations, you know, in DMs or emails or, hey, just checking in, how did you like this mini workshop or mini course? This is launching soon. Did you want to get on the wait list for it? Rather than go for the kill and here's a two grand course, are you interested in buying it? The answer is probably going to be, you know, but if you can get somebody's attention for 30 minutes or an hour inside a mini course or a workshop, your chances of selling that course later are much, much higher. And when you think about it, we are so time poor these days. Our attention is being demanded by from all sorts of places. If you can get virtually a stranger's attention for an hour, you are winning. You are streets ahead. So I'm curious as to how the economics of that work out, though, because from a buying perspective, yeah, obviously there's a lot less friction of yeah. selling the $17 yeah. course to selling, yeah. selling a $1,700 course, okay? Mm. But you have to sell $100, yes. right? Versus yeah. selling one at $1,700, okay? Yeah, So yeah. if you're selling one $1,700 course, then... I can understand, right, then you can do the follow-ups and they can be DMs, you can have mm-hmm, a, mm-hmm. a, you know, a, a Vox conversation and, you know, all these wraparound kind of one-to-one services that then kind of go into the done with you, done for you, you know. Yeah, yeah. Right? You know, for like the big ticket stuff. Mm-hmm. But for $17? Yeah. In a the day. Yeah. Well, you're not going to make any money from a $17 course. And that is what I get my clients to understand is that these tripwire products or, you know, self-liquidating offers aren't designed to create revenue for you. What they are designed to do is better qualify potential customers for your course. So you're going to get a stack of people that opt in for your freebie on your website, but then getting them to make that leap from freebie free lead magnet to signature course is a hard, hard task. That's a something like monumental, but if you can get them from lead magnet to tripwire, and then to your course, that's going to be an easier journey for you and for them. So that $17 product is not designed to make you money. It is designed to qualify clients so that you've got an extremely warm list to sell to rather than a huge list of potentially tire kickers or freebie seekers. 
Right. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. That makes yeah. sense. And I think also, ultimately, I think it was Russell Bronson that said the hardest thing to do is to get someone to take the credit card out. But absolutely. Once taking it out, getting yes. them to spend again a second time is a lot easier. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it's a dollar or $50 or $100, just that act of getting that credit card out. And that shows that the client trusts you. To get them to opt in for a lead magnet, they have to trust you enough to give you their name and their email address. To get them to purchase a mini course or a tripwire product or whatever it may be, that sort of middle point before you start pitching your signature course, they've got to trust you enough to give you their credit card details and more of their time. That's a big ask because there's a lot of noise and a lot of competition in that course creator space. So if you can get them to that point, like I said, you are winning. And then you've got the kind of trust and you're starting to build the kind of relationship that allows you to then go in and offer your course. But so often we just say, hey, you want to buy my course? And it doesn't work because you don't have the trust or the credibility or the relationship there to begin with. Yeah, it's interesting. I've noticed a lot, particularly since the pandemic, that there are, you know what they say about the gold rush? It wasn't the people that mined for the gold that made all the money. It was the people that were selling the shovels. Yeah. Where I agree that the course industry has boomed. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. the people that are making the real money are the ones that are selling the course creators the tools that they need. Okay, mm, and, mm. and I, th- I think just from personal observation that the people that are teaching course creators, assisting course creators, or providing yeah. the tools from the outside looking in, they seem to be making a lot more money than the actual course creators. Yeah, and, yeah. And I think yeah. that unfortunately, every boom is followed by a bust. Yeah, and I think that yeah. we're going to see a real emptying out of the industry. And mm-hmm. it's interesting if you go on to ClickFunnels as an example. Yeah, and just do a search for sites that have the dot clickfunnels.com at the end so yeah. it's like a, a funnel hosted inside click funnels mm-hmm. the amount of them that are dead links is fun. yeah people that yeah. Want to, yeah not in any way disrespecting click funnels themselves I don't, no, no, no. I think they're a great product they do really well but the amount of people that i think go in spend the 97 bucks a month or that 297 bucks a month for click funnels all right build a course, put it out there and expect that, you know, by worshipping at the altar of Russell Brunson and Dean Graziosi and Tony Robbins, the money's going to come rolling in. That's right. You know, no, that ain't true. Absolutely. And that's when I come to the rescue and I sadly, I talk with so many people who are just exhausted because they've put all of this work into it and they were promised the world and they were shown examples of people absolutely crushing it at this kind of cost creation business and it hasn't happened for them. But I think there are so many nuanced steps and I try and bring things back to normal relationship building. Like when I was running my photography studio and all my relationships were built with my potential customers face-to-face or on the phone. And there was that slowly getting to know you, slowly building up the trust. And there were a lot of different touch points and those touch points are required in an online setting. But so often we see (laughs) this crazy, weird sort of relationships that business owners expect to flourish out of nowhere and they don't happen like that in the real world they don't happen like that in our personal lives let alone a face-to-face business so why are we expecting them to happen in an online business and we need to get back to that basics of how do I build a relationship with a complete stranger and getting them to that client stage well, let's in, come to that through now. email. That was, that yeah. was item three on our list, so we'll come to item two in a moment. And here, I think, is the key question that anyone that sells remotely is will either struggle with or will have struggled with at some stage, which is when someone picks up the phone or somebody walks into your store, right? 
or you have a meeting with someone over Zoom to sell yes. them a big ticket product that requires an hour on the phone, 20 minutes on the phone, whatever it is, right? A higher ticket item, okay? Mm. Then, yeah, you can, you've got the time to develop the personal relationship. But if you're doing this entirely online, and again, we're talking about the $17 tripwire product before you're stepping up into, you know, sending the signature course. Yeah. How does one build that kind of one-to-one rapport on such a mass scale? There's a lot of things that you can do, but I'm going to start with some of the basics because we only have so much time yeah. and I, you know, that I can go off on a tangent, Simon. But I think first things first is being a human and showing up on your website. I still see so many websites that do not have the business owner's face on them and they try to position themselves as a big brand and a big authority, but it actually does them a disservice. We are humans and we trust other humans. So when we see that other person that we're dealing with, when we know, hey, I can email Simon, he's a real person, I can reach him. If things don't go as planned, you can just elevate those trust with those little micro touches. The next thing to do to build trust and build that relationship is to stop thinking about yourself. When you think about the friends that you have or the family members that you like being around, they are there for us. They think about us. They do nice things for us. And right at the beginning of the relationship with your potential customer, that is where you can provide a really amazing lead magnet chock full of incredible value that supports them or helps them solve a specific problem that they're facing or reach a goal or do something, you know, a little checklist or action list that helps them to achieve something faster. I know a lot of business owners worry about, oh, I'm giving away my IP, then they'll go and do it themselves and they won't buy from me. But think about how long you've been running your business for. Do you really think that someone can come in and download a two, three, 10 page lead magnet and create what you are doing for them? Absolutely. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, first of all is is showing up and being a human, being visible, contactable, traceable, all of those things. The second thing is supporting your clients. Stop thinking about yourself and stop thinking about what your business does. Nobody cares that I'm a copywriter. They could not give a rats. But if I tell them that I help them create more profitable launches with less stress, that's about them. So my lead magnets are all about creating that outcome for them. The next step is really more about that consistent connection with them. And that is where doing your lives, doing your mini workshops, doing a mini course is an amazing opportunity because if they are spending, even though it might be pre-recorded or an evergreen product, if it's live, it's even better. But for them to be in a room with you for an hour, I did a, a live version of my mini workshop a little while back. And that was a game changer because at the end of the workshop, there was question time. So, you know, there's real people having real conversations. They get to pick my brain and the trust goes through the roof. So that when I said to those people on that live workshop, hey, later, do you want to hear about a course that I'm about to launch? They're like, absolutely. Like in a real world relationship, you kind of go from little getting to know you right through to, hey, do you want to come over for dinner? You can't extend the dinner invite as soon as you meet somebody because they would think you're an absolute weirdo and they would run a mile. Yes. 
Yeah. Very good. Hey, do you want to come out and hang with me and my family for Christmas? No, we've just met in the supermarket checkout. I'm not ready for that yet. We're not quite there. Okay. No, we're not. And you also mentioned about imposter syndrome. I know we don't have a huge amount of time left. I know you have elsewhere to be. So talk to me about imposter syndrome, primarily how you help your clients overcome. Yeah, yeah. So imposter syndrome is a huge one. And, you know, I struggle with imposter syndrome too. I have to have hard conversations with myself sometimes. Come on, Amy, believe in yourself. You're not really a fraud. You're qualified to do this. You can do this. You've got runs on the board. And they're the same kinds of conversations I have with my clients as well. One of the reasons that it shows up, I think, because they're pivoting from service provider to course creator. So that's new terrain for my clients. And, you know, they're facing a lot of obstacles as they're building out their courses or launching them for the first time, or perhaps coming to terms with a launch that didn't go quite their way initially. The other reason why imposter syndrome shows up a lot is because if they've come from a service-based background they are their business. It's very hard for them to separate themselves from the service that they provide to their clients. So there is a lot of, is this course going to be good enough? Is this going to support them enough? Can I charge this when I'm not actually in the room delivering it and they're getting the evergreen version of me? The way I help people, my clients work through imposter syndrome is to understand, helping them see that they're not their service. And I do that by getting them to take a step back and exploring the results or the impact that their course can have for their client or student. Pricing is wrapped up in that too. So when clients are saying to me, but Naomi, I can't charge that much. My course only has four modules and each has three lessons. They only run for 20 minutes and there's a couple of cheat sheets in there. So I've priced it at like 300 bucks. We look at the results or the potential revenue or the gains that that student or client can receive. And then they're going, oh, wow. That's actually probably worth about $2,000, $3,000, $50,000. That's when their mindset starts to shift and imposter syndrome starts to dissipate with that. I worked with a cost creator last year and they were teaching artists, visual artists, how to scale their business, which actually when they started creating the course, it was all about how artists can run workshops. So rather than creating a pair of earrings at a time or one painting at a time, or one ceramic piece at a time, getting 20 people into an, a creative workshop and running those. That was their angle. When they came to me, I actually said to them, you're teaching people, teaching artists how to scale their business and potentially even how to franchise their business. Do you understand what that is worth? And once they had that big aha moment, they went from going, it's probably worth a little bit more than $297. So they're the big shifts and they're realizing the impact that they're having on the world. And I know that sounds cliched, but when you can see how your course fits into the bigger picture, what it can do for other people's lives, then imposter syndrome has to get out of the way. That's how I work through those kinds of things with my clients. Yeah. Yeah. I think we underestimate the impact that we can have. And it often takes that outside that outsider to come in and go, actually, this is the ripple effect of your course for your clients. It's huge. Yeah, yeah, I think a lot of it is also because people think, well, it's just common sense. I know this. And people don't realise, first of all, how uncommon common sense is. And second yes. of all, just because you know it, well, you know it, and it's easy for you because you've been doing it 
you know, yeah. that might be it, right? But for yeah. someone else walking in, this is discovering America. This is a whole new thing. So. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. I worked through some stuff on pricing recently with somebody and they were like, oh, wow, this is a game changer. This strategy is so simple. The little things that I know and do every day, I think oh, everyone would know this stuff, but they really don't. There's these potential course creators or current course creators walking around out there with insane amounts of knowledge in their head that we would love to get our hands on. But unfortunately, so often there's all of these course hosting platforms that are just, yeah, housing all of these wonderful courses that the world doesn't know about. And so that's where I come in and try and bridge that gap and get these courses out into the world. And even more so, you know, help these course creators have an amazing business that they're really damn proud of. That's the whole imposter syndrome. I love helping people move past that and seeing them, you know, create this amazing business that they deserve. Good for you. So Naomi, what are your three tips for someone to be successful in creating or selling the course? Yeah, for selling a course, I would think my first tip is think really hard about the clients or students that you want to attract and don't try to attract everybody. I have to talk so many clients out of selling to everyone at once. Don't because nobody is going to pay attention and you're going to be missing out on opportunities to have incredible conversations. That really small wedge of customers that are perfect for your course. Having perfect clients also means you're going to have a much stronger completion rate of your course. You're going to have reviews from your course and then your next launch is going to be even more successful as well. So it has that ripple effect. Don't be scared of going narrow because that's been one of the biggest game changers for my business, going narrow. And it makes me happy to work with right fit clients. You reduce the stress. So right fit clients would be the first one. The second piece of advice I'd give, and this is a bit broader, is your most recent launch isn't it. It's just the testing ground for your next launch. So use it even if it, your numbers don't stack up the first time. And that is the danger in this course creation space. We see all of the bright and shiny stuff all of the time. Nobody talks about the launches that flopped. You know, nobody talks about the free places that they give students to look like they had better numbers. We hear about these, you know, there's this language being used at the moment, your next eight-figure launch. That's a lot of pressure for course creators who are just starting out and it's really discouraging. So I need to have conversations with my clients about being realistic and being kind to yourself with your numbers. So if the launch doesn't go how you hoped it would, just use it as a testing ground. We can look at the numbers. Numbers, look at the data, test and measure and grow from there. Take what has worked really well and double down on it and weed out what didn't work out so well. Okay. Yeah. And number three. That. Number three. I think my third piece of advice would go back to kind of like not trying to boil the ocean with your client reach is doing the same with your course. Get one thing right at a time. Really break your course down into bite-sized pieces, not just for you, but for your audience as well. It'll make it so much easier for you to create and so much more approachable for your client. I think that would be number three. I could keep going, but it's really hard to yeah. choose just three three pieces of advice, but, but start cool. there. And I think number four is when you're selling, shift from... Are you like number four? Go on, I'll let you do number Yeah, four. I'm going to give you a bonus. Number four would be so stop like looking... So it's like a creator. <laughs> 
Santa step number on. seven. Step number seventeen. People are starting to tune out by now. So I don't know. Step number four would be stop selling. Oh, I know lots of business owners that hate selling. Oh, I bloody love it, but I'm not always the norm. But if you can shift from that mindset of sell, sell, will you buy this from me? Two, support, support, support. How can I help you better? How can I give you better info? How can I deliver this course differently that fits with my client's needs? How can I unpack this information so it's really approachable and people can take action and get results? So looking at, yeah, supporting, not selling, and that makes all the difference. Number five, no, I'm kidding. This is great. Okay, Naomi, it's been an amazing conversation because I wanted to talk to you about copywriting and the secrets of being a great copywriter, but we haven't even touched on that at all. So, and and that's the thing. That's the thing. No one cares about how to be a great copywriter if you don't understand your client, if you don't understand the value of what you're selling, all of those things. So, what's next for Naomi and for your business? What's next for me? I'm in a really happy place at the moment, Simon. I feel very fortunate that, you know, I said to my husband the other day, it was one of those movies like it was like a scene out of a movie we had a little weekend away we went to Melbourne it was my sister's birthday we're driving in the car and I said I just feel like we're at a really good place right now you know we've got some beautiful people in our lives we've got our health my husband runs his own business things are really stable and you know those scenes in the movies then when there's like a semi coming in the opposite direction and you have a head on and it all to custom but <laughs> I'm hoping that didn't happen. (laughs) That didn't happen. I am fortunate that I'm at a really good place in my business right now. I will continue working with my clients one-on-one in a done-for-you way, moving through the imposter syndrome stuff and getting their pricing down pat and having a strategy and a plan and the support for them. And then I also support my clients in a DIY way. So I have a resource vault that is all about getting their course out into the world and helping them in a, not everyone can afford a copywriter. My resource fault, as I called it, is a a tool that they can use where pretty much all of their emails are written, their sales pages are there, ready to fill in the blanks and they can get their course out there much, much sooner. So all of that is on my website, but that's where my energy is going. Okay, great. So if people wanted to work with you or access that, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, so my website is Clark dot com n-a-m-i you'll have it in the linky links i'm sure simon clark with an e.com and then on instagram where i try to visit occasionally is simply at amy clark so please come and say hi to me i love sending people little voice messages on instagram it's all about being personal absolutely yeah amy clark it's been an absolute joy having you here the last thanks simon about 30 minutes or so flown by i've learned a lot and it's been just an absolute joy so amy clark thank you so much for coming into the conference room my pleasure thank you simon coming up next week on the conference room i'll be talking to ceo and founder of the zenial traveler and online marketing expert laurie conkler building a personal brand meaning building credibility in yourself and being an authority whether i don't like to call it an influencer really i don't it's building credibility and authority for yourself in the online space And that is how you set yourself apart. It's about building a brand, being the face of your brand, putting yourself out there. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure you visit our website, theconferenceroompodcast.com, where you can find all the show notes, plus links to the resources mentioned during the podcast. If you enjoyed listening to this, make sure you subscribe so that you're always the first to know 
when each episode is released. Also, please take the time to review the podcast so the more people who want to grow their businesses can find us. To talk about this or any other podcast, or in fact anything business-related whatsoever, find me on Twitter, at Simon Lader, or you can find me by searching for Simon Lader or Silesia Academy on Facebook or on LinkedIn. I'm always open to a conversation. Thanks for listening to the conference room. Until next time, keep talking.